Welcome to the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, the podcast that talks about the crossroad of life and sports, or life and coaching. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. We hope that it finds you doing well. This helps enlighten you as well as gives you information and that you have some fun and some laughs. Sit back, relax, or listen to this while working out. Whatever floats your boat, have a great time hanging with Coach Noonan on the podcast. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, we have Corey Jordan. Corey Jordan is the defensive backs coach and recruiting coordinator at McKinney High School. He is an alumnus of Abilene Christian University where he played with talented football players. Coach Jordan also coached at Allen High School, Mesquite High, and West Mesquite where he was the defensive coordinator. Coach Jordan also works with young men to help them improve their defensive back techniques. Corey Jordan is also married to an amazing wife, and they have a rambunctious young one who makes his presence known later in the episode. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Corey Jordan. Today's episode, Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, we got Corey Jordan. He is the defensive backs coach and recruiting coordinator at McKinney High School located in the DFW. Welcome, Coach Jordan. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. Glad to be on. Man. So for everybody that doesn't already know who Corey Jordan is, uh, Corey Jordan is an outstanding coach, husband, father, uh, dog father to to some great uh, pit bulls. As well as uh, I got to owe him a debt of gratitude to helping me become uh, a defensive coordinator. Man, no, no, no. All you, brother. All through hard work. All through hard work. No, man, no. Um, I'm actually going to jump down uh, to some of the questions that I wrote and one that's later, but I want to ask it now. Uh, it kind of relates to wh- how I introed you about, you know, how you helping me get started as a uh, get my spot as a defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, I, I believe you're a great supporter of young coaches that have a passion for kids and the game. And where do you where does that come from? Man, uh, I think that comes from it's funny you say that, because when you brought that up, I think about Tom Westenberg giving me my first job at Allen uh, and I played. At Garland, so I was at Garland High School, uh, nine, ten, and eleven, and I left my twelfth grade year. But I was there, that whole staff. I mean, just of guys reaching back, helping each other. So you had Joe Martin was our head coach before he left and went to Allen. Uh, our defensive coordinator was Jeff Jordan. Uh, you know, Coach uh, Westenberg was the offensive coordinator. Coach Offert was the quarterback coach. Uh, coach Polk was there at the time, who's now in UIL. Uh, I mean, when Coach Poe was there, who was the head – he was the head coach of the North Dallas. I mean, Coach Willingham was there, Coach Gamble. I mean, it's just – that was an all-star core, man. And, and I think from there at that point, uh, I kind of just – you know, you could see how those guys, you know, the staff left and went to, went to Allen. They brought guys over to Allen. Westenberg went to Allen. Uh, Gamble went to Allen. Coach Jordan stayed. Uh, Coach Russell was there. Uh, and all those guys stayed, man. They just kind of been helping each other. And then I 
group that with how I came up with my dad being a personal trainer all my life. And he's always kind of took taking in kids and helping kids and, you know, just kind of, it's always been a pay it forward kind of lifestyle that my dad and mom has tried to pave the road for me to live. So I got that opportunity at Allen and, you know, with Westenberg, strictly off of who, you know, and I carried that on. So as I started to make my rise through coaching, uh, every time I seen somebody that man was working and grinding and putting in the extra time and was a student of the game and more into the kids more so than the X's and O's because it's about the kids first. I mean, I always try to reach back and pull them up. And, you know, you were one of those guys. So that was important to me to when that opportunity came up as a coordinator. Uh, you want guys around you that are workers. You want guys around you that are like-minded. You want guys around you that you trust. So that was the reason why, man, that was my first my first instinct was to pull you up and get you on varsity with me. You there? Hello? Coach Noonan, are you there? Yeah, I hear you now. Okay. Man, we just we lost out a little bit. Man, I hope you got that answer because it was a good one. It was from the heart. <laughs> no, I got that answer. It was It was me following off of that but like i said i can go back in and i can cut out what we need to cut out uh no that was a great answer um but i'm I'm just gonna pick up where i was kind of where i was talking and then we'll just keep on going from there um so yeah i really appreciate you uh you know taking that opportunity uh and, and believing in me um you know in, in the time that we spent together at west mesquite uh, i always think back on the things that i learned and where that has led as far as my growth, um, hello. Hello. Hello? to bring on guys that uh, helped you at Abilene Christian uh, that I, I think not only helped us as a, as a staff, man, but I got to credit them for really helping me grow as a football coach and uh, coach uh, Steve Fox and, and Adam Hall. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Those are the guys right there, man. 
you know, I, I, a lot of the things that I, that I take um, from, from our time at West and how my defensive mindset has been shaped is definitely from you uh, and, and how you work with kids as well as, uh, you know, with Fox and how he uh, tries to make sure that things are covered and, and, you know, we use absolutely everything we can out of everything we've got. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. You know what? You know, something that was really dynamic about that staff, and that was something that I wanted to make sure I brought when I, you know, when you get your first opportunity at a school like West Mesquite, you know, prestigious school, they've had athletes. And when you have athletes, the first thing they want to say is, you know, they got a bunch of athletes, you know, you ain't coaching over there. And, and that's bull crap because I think uh, the most coaching goes on uh, at those schools with a bunch of athletes and the personalities and different household situations and struggles because to me you get the best out of the player by the relationships you got not necessarily the x's and o's and techniques that you can give uh so man i wanted to be i thought it was really important uh in building that staff was you know those guys coach hole and coach fox they started off in the freaking video room combing through video i mean just as ga's under you know defensively you know you had coach wilson that was uh there he'd been coaching for psh, longer than i've been born uh nathan hedrick kind of taught me a whole lot of things that i know about secondary play and technique wise he was a uh, actually a ga with sumlin and uh coached alongside sean slocum uh who was with green bay now he might still be with green bay but at a&m uh he left a&m and came to abilene christian uh, and that's where they brought Dewan Gentry and Adam Black came to Abilene Christian. And then Gary Gaines was the head coach. So it's a wealth of knowledge there. Uh, and then Coach Carthel was the defensive line coach. Uh, coach Carthel is now at SFA. Uh, so, you know, and Clayton Farrell is the AD in, shoot, Halls, Hallsville, uh, I believe, something like that. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it was just a wealth of knowledge around those guys and, you know, they were coming up as young coaches. So to be able to bring those guys in, man, you got to learn how to have fun when you're grinding, uh, making pecans, you know, and laundry and cutting video and in the grind of trying to move up as a GA, man. I thought bringing that dimension to high school would make that staff dynamic. Yeah, and I thought it was, uh, you know, the the bonding that we had in the – in the, in the office and, and on the field and just, I think being able to pick up where the other one's idea was and, and be able to have an exchange mm-hmm. of ideas and it really be yep. constructive, I think was, was critical. Yep. Oh yeah. So, you know, you talk about the, the guys that have, that you've been around um, and it kind of as your, as your why as to, you know, why you, reach out to uh, younger coaches that have that passion for kids in the game and your dad being a personal trainer, but specifically what do you think got you into coaching and what motivates you to keep coaching? Man, I I think what got me into coaching and uh, what motivates me is I, I was just talking to somebody about kids that go off to school and make it and kids that go off to school and come back home. And I think the biggest factor is not necessarily where you came from and, you know, 
this kid's household was this bad. Everybody's got bad times. But I think the biggest thing that allows kids to make it and continue to graduate, go and graduate and have successful careers is that kid's ability to uh, develop and maintain relationships. Uh, and that's one thing that I learned at Abilene Christian and at, you know, coming from UTEP where I started uh, was, man, the more people, you know, you know, your, your net worth is your network is what you hear all the time. Well, that's great. But your ability to maintain that network by being genuine uh, and a good person and somebody that, look, you know, looks out for other people and tries to bring other people up uh, is what gives you that ability to maintain relationships. Uh, I mean, when you look at I watched the story on Saban and uh, Patriots. What's Patriots? Um, Saban and Belichick. Belichick and how those guys are kind of came up together. Uh, you know, splitting their teeth and splitting their hairs and stuff like that. And, you know, they were able to, through all the success that they've had, they maintain their relationship, you know. Uh, and they continue, and both of those guys continue to bring coaches up, uh, you know, kind of groom coaches, send coaches out. And then the coaches that come up in that network, they do the same thing for those uh, guys that are up under them. And I think that all goes back for me to Joe Martin. I mean, Joe Martin's probably turned out. I know he's top ranked as far as how many head coaches he's turned out that's coached up under him uh, when you look at those staffs. So I think learning that, man, and being at Abilene Christian, uh, the way I came up with giving, paying it forward, uh, being an athlete, playing at a high level, uh, and then seeing the guys – who have a chance to change their lives and change their lifestyles uh, and the blessings that this game brings you uh, miss it. I want everybody to be, to have that experience, to be able to get what the game is really supposed to supply for these kids. And I think that's why I do this, uh, to develop those relationships, to try to steer these kids in the right direction to help change their lives and, make sure they get out the game what the game is really supposed to give them, not necessarily wealth and fame and Twitter followers. It's supposed to help develop you as a man and as a person and give you the ability to develop relationships and maintain them. Yeah. I think that's one of the, one of the profound things that I, I remember and that I took with me uh, when I branched out was not just that you created opportunities for kids to go play at the next level, but you were a huge advocate with growing themselves in the classroom. And as a man, um, yes, sir. you know, and, and you've done a great job of all of that. I think about the relationships that I have with the guys that I coached at uh, West, as well as the guys that I watched you Fox and everybody else coach and, and just how, we all shared those relationships with those kids and how we can still talk to them to this day. Uh, mm -hmm. I think about uh, Day Day Coleman and uh, mm -hmm. Drake and, and mm -hmm. a lot of those great kids. And just, I think, you know, you would, uh, you would agree that it, it's, it makes you proud to see them not only be great on the field, but great men in the classroom and, and around the community. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, a large thing that I would preach to those kids as, you know, when you become a coordinator, uh, you know, as a position coach, you're the head coach of your room. Uh, as a coordinator, you're the head coach of your room, which now entails other positions and different personalities. Uh, 
uh, man, one thing that I always try to make sure that I preach to those guys, and they're all really tight right now. And, you know, everybody goes in their different directions. But, man, your memories are what you're going to die with. On your, uh, and I hate to say that, but on your deathbed, man, you're sitting there. When you're in your worst time and you're in your worst situation, and you're on your last breath, the only thing that keeps you going is the memories that you've made. And a lot of things, it ties back into what I said, the relationships that you've been able to maintain helps develop those memories that you make. Uh, and we had some good times uh, on that team. Those kids had good times. Uh, and they worked their tails off, not just to win games and to get a scholarship and go to college, but you work your tail off so you can create those magical moments and have those memories that you'll never forget that you can tell your kids about. Yeah. Uh, I know one thing that I've told the, the I've told these kids um, uh, throughout this, you know, quarantine time or whatever is the game can be taken away from you whenever you at, at any moment's notice, whether it's an injury or some crazy thing like this. But the one thing they can't take away from you is your education, man, and just yep. pound, pounding those books and using this this opportunity that they've created from their hard work and your hard work and you're reaching out. Um, and utilize that scholarship opportunity to grow their minds. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, I, I think I'm a firm believer of this as far as, uh, I, mean, I broke generational curses. I was the first person in my family tree or history to graduate college. Uh, and, you know, graduating and getting my bachelor's degree was like the first step, but it was like, all right, I got my bachelor's degree and really, and how it works. And this is how I explain it to my kids and, you know, some adults have their opinions about me keeping it real with them, but I keep it real with them. Hey, look, you love this game so much. What allows you to be eligible and allows you to play and allows you an opportunity to go to college is uh, having good grades academically. Uh, so to be eligible, you have to pass. To get a bigger opportunity and get better opportunities, you got to have a higher GPA and you got to have a good test score to go play and do what you love doing. So don't cheat yourself on memories lasting memories that you would want to have and share with your kids by short by shorting yourself in the classroom you know and then you do that you go to college and you got to maintain the gpa in college uh and you go to class to stay eligible but your main purpose there is you know in your mind as a kid my main purpose is i want to play ball you know in order to play ball i'm not going to let something small like this distraction of a, like the classroom disrupt me from playing ball and then when you're done playing fall ball after four years and you've taken the classes you need to take, you're going to look back and go, dang, I'm about to get a bachelor's degree. I got a one semester to go or I'm about to graduate. And then when you take that next step, you know, that's all on you. That's your choice on where you want to put yourself, uh, where you want to put your tax bracket is what I tell those kids. You know, you want to sacrifice this much of a loan or do you want to put yourself in position to further your education and get master's degrees and doctor's degrees? and set the bar for your family and kids and break those generational uh, curses, that's on you. But getting to that point uh, is staying eligible and staying ahead of the game academically so that you don't let your grades take you off the field or stop your dreams. Yeah, uh, that's and that's a big deal. Um, and I think, unfortunately, some kids think they're just going to get by on talent alone, uh, and they yep. – and they, as you, as you would always say, it, they let the system play them rather than playing the system or at Ooh. least owning the system uh, or having an opportunity to own the system. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, because you'll get used. I mean, this system will use you. It's uh, you know, I we're keeping it real. It's it's the podcast, right? I mean, <laughs> you don't want to be. It's the, you know, I don't want to refer anything to pipping, but you know, you will be pimped if you're out there sacrificing your body. Uh, and you're gonna get to fifty, and you barely can walk. Uh, you're scoring touchdowns, and tickets are being sold. Uh, and you're bringing, you know, you're bringing freaking notoriety and publicity to the program and doing all these things, uh, but you're not getting nothing out of it for yourself and for your family and to change your future and change the expectations of your kids. And I think that's getting played. Uh, you get played that way. To me, going to school and scoring all these – going scoring touchdowns or having interceptions and making all-conference, that's all great when it's in the paper, but that becomes archives 10 years later. Right. You know, and to stop your life from being archived, you got to continue your education uh, to continue to be relevant in this world that we live in and stop from being played. And I never want to be played. So you always got to think about what your future is and the future of your family and what you want to be remembered as. Yeah. The bills don't get paid off the archives. They get paid nah. off of what's going on right now. Barbershop talk is what you get. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh man, speaking of the barbershop, I'd like to head up, hit up one, get my beard edged uh, up. But uh, you know, one day, one day. I was day, just about to say, Nuna, shoot, you got that bald head, man. The bald head <laughs> brothers are the only ones doing good in this time. Yeah, man. No, we're we're, we're doing <laughs> all right. We're doing all right. Um, you know, your time as a recruiting coordinator. How did that? How does one? How does that start, and then where does it go? Where do you want to see that go? Man, uh, I always try to feel like I'm trying to always constantly make my next move, my best move. Uh, and I say that because you got to think, we just talked about getting played. It's like I want to bring – I want to change lives because I want to do the most I can for these kids. And I think you got the biggest effect on kids when you can affect them after football and set them up to have a life after football. So that's what brought my interest in recruiting because, you know, I was an undersized guy. Uh, I was an undersized guy. You know, I had Division One offers, but I didn't have no big power five. I was, I was five foot nine. Uh, and I had to work really hard for what I had. Uh, but also, when I got there, you know, I noticed there's a lot of guys that get there and get those scholarships that look really good and can't play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, man, I wanted to be kind of – I had to get out of that mode because it's not really about that. It's about how many kids can you get to school that can't afford to get their educations, that you can get them some type of aid or help to allow them to break these generational curses that they may have in their household or to allow them to start investing in their future. Uh, and I think college is the best investment in your future. You know, some people take credit cards out. I'd rather take student loans. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so that's what got me in recruiting, man. And the way that goes, uh, recruiting, it's like it's back to my foundation on what I said about this. This big scheme of things is all about can you develop relationships and can you maintain relationships? And you do that by being genuine, being truthful and working for the greater good of somebody besides yourself. Uh, so that's what kind of brought me into recruiting and, you know. It's simple. It's not as hard as everybody thinks. 
Uh, if you want me to talk about that process on how it got started, I will. But, you know, that's why I got into recruiting, man. I think it's great for the school because when you got a lot of kids going to school, it motivates others. Uh, kids will pull on each other to want to go to school. Uh, and then you got kids investing in their time and hard work and sweat and grades into their uh, their futures. Yeah. I want to be a part of that. Yeah. I, I, you know, one of the things that I, I took from you – is uh, to me, I view it more, you know, and, and you know, we talk about we're, you know, we're on the podcast, we're keeping it real. And some people may take this as a, oh, well, you, you're preaching selfishness. But in my opinion, it was more about preaching accountability. And it was the realest way to preach accountability was scholarship is money, right? And we equate things to money because money makes the world go round. Right. So if we're not doing the job, whether it's from the coaching side, right, and getting the kid taught up and coached up on how to be the best they can be at their position, and that kid is not doing their job on the field, it's affecting somebody's money, whether it's that kid in a scholarship or those kids and our coaching job. Somebody's money is being affected by the play or lack of play or lack of coaching by of someone else. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I feel like we're in a business, and, and I love this. I love the the Keep It Real podcast because we're in the business of this. It's like, man, when you're working at an inner city school, uh, and, and West Mesquite wasn't inner city, but it's very, 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 very close. I mean, it's Title One, right? So you're working at a school. If you ask those kids, and if you ask the kids at the majority of schools, and this is and this may ruffle some feathers when I say this. If you ask those kids, would you rather win a state championship or get a scholarship? What you think they're gonna say? Oh, they want a scholarship. They want a scholarship. So <laughs> you say, man, it you know, it can't be focused on scholarships. And what about there's kids on the team that aren't on a scholarship? Well, uh, uh, Coach Shavers, man, is he's been in, on both ends. He's played at Allen. He's coached at West. He's coached at Estacado. We're in McKinney now. And it's like when I was at West Mesquite, I had to say, man, you want to break these generational curses, man. You want to be the first one to graduate college. Like you want to change your life so you could be a better father, and do this and do that. And that would motivate those kids. Well, now I'm in McKinney. And don't get, don't get me wrong. There's kids that are struggling in McKinney as well. Uh, but there's also kids that aren't struggling and you have to get, you got to find the burn in those kids. And the one common denominator that's the that to get the burn and get kids motivated and get that fire and desire out of them is pride. Now, all mm-hmm. kids these days with social media, you have a you're born with a level. These kids are raised in the level of pride. You know, everybody wants their status to have so many followers because they're prideful, right? Mm-hmm. what's bad is they're prideful off of other people's opinions about them, but we won't even get into that, but it's pride. So now I'm in McKinney, <laughs> yeah. my story and my sale has got to be different because I got a kid that's probably got a college fund, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, man, you represent the McKinney Lions. You got to play, you know, when people are sitting in their stands, they see number nine out there for the McKinney Lions. How do you want to be remembered for the McKinney Lions? You know, how do you want to be, how does, I use a kid, Chandler Johnson, want to be remembered uh, when people think about 2019 season week three uh, against this difficult game. He came up and made a big play. Like, how do you want to be remembered? Like, how do y'all want this team to be remembered? And I think 
when you play on a kid's, when you start triggering on a kid's pride, because that's all us as a man, that's all you, that's what you have is pride. Sometimes it's foolish. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think you got pride and you can play, you got, you can pull on that pride. Uh, whereas, you know, when I was at West Mesquite, it was like, you know, we got to make it out, man. You got to do something for your family. You know, you want to be able to take care of your, your parents and your, uh, you want to be able to take care of your kids and be a good father. And I feel like, you know, You've got to balance those two uh, in order to get these kids to continue. You got to find and coaching. That's what coaching's about. I think coaching's about finding what make what lights that kid's light bulb up. It makes him want to go do things outside of his comfort zone. Yeah, well, you know, we talk about as coaches, you know, you're gonna have some sinners and you're gonna have some saints, and even if you have all saints, uh, you're only gonna go so far. And I'm not, you know, we're not advocating. Uh, poor decisions or anything like that we you know we've always said we want to create opportunity if you want to be in control of your opportunity but you know like you you've addressed you have to be able to adjust how you approach the relationship with kids based on where you're at and what their their situations are not everybody uh is is blessed to have that that allen background where you know the the expectation is we're going to win state championships right uh, you you have to you have to understand that you're at a school where you know they are trying to break generational curses and they are trying to mm-hmm. do something to better themselves to to help their families. Mm-hmm. And those kids are at Allen. Those kids are at they're at these schools, uh, these suburban mm-hmm. schools. They're at those schools, but the common denominator, you know, is I think you you've got to be able to some. I think the new age coaches are really good. The guys that are really good uh, are guys that aren't stuck in their ways. You know, uh, I know I've got to handle every kid is different, right? I got my standard and my standard won't change, but how I get those kids to that standard uh, is something is what makes me a coach. That's called coaching. Uh, and I, uh, I agree to that. Yeah. You know, and, and, it, and that goes with recruiting uh, and selling kids that goes with, projection of where a kid may go i think my biggest asset in recruiting is being able to see uh where kids fit uh you know i had two we 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 were at west mesquite and you know we had three kids with ivy league scores but i can tell you right now one of the kids could have went to an ivy league school uh and been okay the other kid he's intelligent and has ivy league grades but he probably probably would have been an uncomfortable fit in the Ivy League, and he probably wouldn't have liked it, and he probably would have came back home, and we'd have been starting over uh, with him. Right. You know, so he went to a school where he was right. comfortable, but then he took higher-level classes, and he wants to be an engineer, which that'll put you in those higher-level classes. Uh, right. And he'll make the memories that he wants to make and be comfortable. A lot of kids just need to be happy where they go, and I think that's a major role. Uh, in coaching and recruiting and discussing the options with these kids. You can't get them a bunch of offers and just, just throw them out there. So, yeah. So let me, let me kind of, I'm going to backtrack to something you just said, but then I want to spin it forward to my next kind of two questions in one. You know, you talk about your standard and your standard is not going to change. Right. And we talk about how we sell kids and some, I think this, you know, I've taken it, probably from everywhere that I've been. If you're, if we as coaches are putting our name to a kid 
right? We're not going to necessarily, we, we sure as heck aren't going to oversell a kid knowing that that could burn not only us, but future kids down the line. Um, so spinning that forward, what is the message that you would give to uh, future, you know, to other coaches as well as parents and kids? Like, how do you, how would you address that concern that, oh, well, my baby, my, you know, my baby went to such. Um, so my question is, how do you address the concern from parents that, that think their kids should be playing at one level, but in reality, we're trying to get them to understand that this is the best fit for their kid because our standard is this and our business decision is, one, we're trying to help the kid to succeed and not come home, come back uh, unnecessarily. Two, can't burn bridges for kids down the line uh, with these coaches if we oversell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, man, it's like uh, I say this. You know, I, I look at recruiting services. Some of them are really good uh, to, a, to a degree. And they're only really good because of the relationships that have been built on the people running those services. Uh, I think this thing really goes down to the relationships that you build with these coaches. And, you know, it's like it's trial and error uh, because when you're first getting started, you can't build a relationship because they don't have any of your kids. So you better make sure that that kid that you're selling is one of your is a kid that's going to go and going to stick and going to play his tail off and is going to represent your program well. Uh, and you always got to, and I feel like you always got to make sure you're, you're, I make the best decision. And this is where I'm different. I, here we go. Man, I make the best decision for my kids first. That coach will be there uh, when he's recruiting him and be gone next year. Uh, and I don't think you commit to schools for the coaches, I think you commit to schools for the program. You know, you commit to schools for the school. Uh, and I say that just because, man, life changes at the drop of a dime. Uh, in building relationships and selling kids, I feel like there's a standard for FBS prospect. FBS prospect. There's a standard for a Power Five prospect. Okay, and then there's a standard for an FCS prospect. Okay, so. If my kid plays, this kid on my team plays wide receiver, and Johnny is Johnny is uh, six foot two, okay. Johnny's six foot two, plays wide receiver. Six foot two, he's above six foot. Check. Uh, six foot two. We haven't even talked about catching the ball. Six foot two, and he runs a four six, four four six forty. Okay, mm-hmm. six two four six forty. Weighs about 170 pounds. Check. My projection based off numbers and what I know and what's out there is before Johnny's even ran and, and even before Johnny's even catch, caught a ball or put up numbers, he's projected to be an FCS, FBS kid by that size frame. What he <laughs> does in your offseason program, how he works, how his grades are, uh, and then his production on the field and his change of direction and all that, that will raise him from an FCS to an FBS player. Mm-hmm. Elite numbers continue to take him up. Okay. So that's Johnny. 
we talk about Troy or Tommy or whatever. Let's say Troy or Player B. Player B is five foot nine, and he lights it up for your school. He's a fifteen hundred yard receiver, and he can catch, and he works hard, and he's got good grades. Okay, Player B is five nine, which puts him at a Division two level or a Division or FCS level, or maybe even NAIA. Then mm-hmm. we start talking about these uh, measurables as far as speed. Is he a uh, he's five nine and he runs a four five? Okay, you make him find with, with great grades, and that's what I tell my kids. Grades bring more opportunity. If you're five mm-hmm. nine, if you're five nine with a three point seven GPA and you catch thirteen hundred yards receiving with twelve touchdowns, you'll probably be an FCS guy, and you can get into an Ivy League school, and you can get into some school that academically a lot of kids can't get into. That 3.7 GPA just takes away about 70% of the people in the, in the area. Okay? You're 1,000 yards receiving. You're 12 touchdowns with that 3.6 GPA just eliminated about 75% of the wide receiver competition at the high academic schools that you may be competing for. Mm-hmm. So I think that's understanding that is really important. Now the six foot five kid doesn't have to be sold. I mean, what you do with a six foot five kid, my deal is I find a school to get him his that can play. I find a school that can get him his first offer. They give him his first offer. You know, I tell them, hey, build a relationship with him. Uh the kid's a player. And then after he gets that first offer, everybody will see he's six foot four because his his measurables say he's a division one player. And then his video says he's a division one player. And then he takes off from there. And I think at that point you kind of start finding out what his major is, uh, where where does he want to play scheme-wise, uh, where does he project for the different schools, what coach is going to be coaching him, because like I said, back to the foundation, uh, relationships are most important. If that coach can't get him to play, then he's no better than the five foot eight defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I think you start looking at and investigating those situations. Uh, how far does he want to be an in-state or an out-of-state guy? Does he need to get away from his home situation, or does he need to stay close to his foundation? Uh, I just, like I said, I was doing this study the other day, and I just was calculating every single kid that has gone off and came home. And the majority of those kids' foundation uh, at home, and I'm not talking about having two parents. I'm talking about having a firm foundation to where I go to school and I've been wronged or the coach cusses me out. Who you call? They mm-hmm. call mom. And mom says, it's going to be okay. Don't take it personal. Go back out there. Keep doing what you're supposed to do. Keep working hard. That kid makes it. That kid with no foundation doesn't call mom because they're not a great relationship. Doesn't think mom knows anything about sport. Doesn't call dad because dad's not involved. Uh, doesn't call the high school coach because the high school coach may or not continue to maintain the open relationship with him because we get busy. It happens. Uh, mm-hmm. And he talks to his homeboy, and his homeboy says, "Man, bump them, forget them, shoot. You could transfer, leave. They going, they ain't nobody gonna talk to me like that. I ain't going for that." And that fills his ears, and he leaves. So, you know, uh, I think knowing the kid's foundation is very important in the recruiting process. I think knowing the measurables and where they rank out or projected to by measurables, and then by play. Is very important. Uh, and then, man, you got to beat those emails up and beat the phones up 
And I mean, it's countless amount of time that goes into selling a kid. I mean, my wife is, I'm in quarantine right now. Every morning I'm waking up. I mean, I did 65 emails yesterday. The day before that, I sent out another 70 emails. I've got a system set up to where I can bulk blast emails. Uh, and having an accurate prospect sheet is important to help protect mm. those kids. Did I answer the so, question? Oh man, that was an outstanding answer. Okay. Uh, you know, and this is definitely one that, uh, you know, we, we're going to encourage not only just other coaches to listen to, but kids and parents to listen to. It's, it's the knowledge that, that you have gained that you're passing on mm-hmm. that one, it, it's free. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. knowledge is good. Free knowledge is better. Quality free knowledge is, you know, excellent. Yep. And this is what this is what this is right now. Yeah. It's quality quality free knowledge. Right. And I tell you what, the best thing to do, it's like, you know, <laughs> you tell you let the dog, you know, pee when he feels hard the ground up under him. He's gonna pee in your house, okay? But you tell him only pee when you feel grass on your feet, then you're gonna train that dog to go outside and use the restroom. And I hate to use this use that analogy, but that's the best one that comes to mind, and we're on Keeping It Real podcast here. It's the same thing with your parents. Uh, I have a I have a recruiting seminar. I mean, uh, yeah, recruiting seminar to where I am straightforward with them. The only thing that the parent can be in control of to help their kids get to the best situation for them to get their educations played for, not just to play, uh, is make sure he's in the right classes. Make sure mm-hmm. he's my, he's not making just C's. Make sure he's getting the tutoring that he needs. Make sure he starts his SAT prep uh, as a ninth grader or as soon as they enter in. Uh, make sure that he's working his tail off and when you call and talk to the coach to verify anything in regards to him, you want to know about, ask about his work ethic. Uh, if he's working his tail off and he's in a program with coaches that care, which the majority of us do, uh, and he's putting in the time and he's academically doing what he needs to do, if that kid wants to play college football, there is a place for him. And mm-hmm. Coach Shavers laughs all the time because we talk about it and we say, Hey, man, if a kid wants to play football at the next level, there's a school that'll take you. Now, you got to have touched the field. Uh, but right. if you've touched the field and you want to play football, there's a place that'll allow you to play football while you get your degree. Mm-hmm. But those things that I just talked about, what the parents got to be concerned about, are the reason why there's a place for kids like that to play football. Like, Johnny could be five foot five and play defensive tackle. Uh, and, man, if he's got a – if he scored 1,400, 1,300 on the SAT, he's got a 3.7 GPA, there's a school out there, and he works his tail off, and he plays, and got some type of video, there's a school out there that will give him a chance. Because, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't have to give him a scholarship. And that's why I say there's a school that will take you, man. The higher your grades are. You don't. I don't got to give a kid with a thirteen hundred SAT and above a three point oh a GPA a scholarship. He's academically going to get more money than I would give any football player at a Division three school. Yeah, you know. Well, there's a finite number for athletic scholarships compared to academic scholarships. Right. Right. 
and I don't have those numbers in front of me, but I mean, it's the percentages are very, very low to get a Division yeah. One scholarship. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's it's something something in the neighborhood of one percent or less. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So and and that's just that's not even you know that's that's not counting just the the kids in your in your city your state but you know this it's become a global game and you know they're pulling guys from Australia or yeah. Germany somewhere else uh, and that's not that's that's true um, even more so in like basketball and I know we're talking football mm-hmm. but I mean you know the measurables and things like that matter too in, in other sports and you know if you don't if you don't measure up but a kid in you know Nigeria measures up and has the grades, yeah. sorry, you're going to take the chance. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, if, if people say, okay, you didn't like what, you didn't want a state championship or you'd rather get a scholarship. Well, here's an interesting fact about this, okay? I say that and they're like, and it makes some coaches cringe. Oh, we got to be about team. Well, that's your job. Uh, oh, you know, we can't be selfish. Well, that's your job. We're on the front line of how these kids process, how they think, and what the standard is. The parents, when they turn them kids over to you, are on the backside of it, making sure that they're doing what they need to do to meet the standard that you've applied. So when I say a kid would rather get a scholarship than to win a state championship, as a coach, you have to let them know the more games we win and the more games we play, the more video you get and the more opportunity you have to sell yourself and sell this program. The more you sell this program and the more notoriety this program gets, the more schools come to the – more colleges come to the school, which give you an opportunity to get your education paid for. Duncanville ain't running and looking for those recruiters to come by there and recruit their kids. Allen ain't. South Lake ain't. And if you want to go to smaller school, everybody know where Salina is, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, Argyle, people know where Argyle is. I hear people all the time talk about Lubbock Estacado got straight up creatures. Well, they do. And guess what? When all those recruiters show up to Lubbock Estacado to look at those creatures and your kid's been making plays and has the grades to do and has the grades uh, to promote the value um, of having him in your program, then your kid gets recruited. So. Yeah, you know you need well, and, you, you know, need those kids to be team oriented because I'm telling you, the more that team wins, the more notoriety they get and the more opportunity that comes to that school. Yeah, and every every team that you just every school that you just listed off, there's a correlation. Yes, they have talent. Yes, they know you know recruiters know where those places are, but they're in the conversation not just to make the playoffs. The standard isn't to make the playoffs. Right. You know, they're they're in the conversation how far into no you know November December are they playing? Mm. You know, are they playing in week 16? Well, you know, that that and and I will you it can go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You can talk about getting scholarships and you can talk about being in the playoffs and making a run and talking about state championships. They can go hand in hand. Because at the end of the day, you're going to have to have a couple of players make some plays to get in the next round, in the next, uh, you know, to, to play in Jerry's world. You're not just going to luck out uh, and have, um, you know, 
it, the, the, the path will not be laid out for you where you can just walk it down and be there. You're going to have to earn it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be your kids making plays. Well, if that play is made and that play ends up on that kid's highlight film, two people are winning off of that. The kid's winning and you're winning because oh, yeah. y'all are still playing. And that kid can still get more looks because he's still playing. Got a kid at your school, right, hypothetically, wants to play, be a dual sport athlete in college. How, what, is it possible? You know, what's your belief on that? Wants to be a dual sport athlete in college? Wants to be a dual sport athlete in college. Not necessarily a Dion or a Bo Jackson, but, you know, he wants to be able to play, you know, let's say he wants to play baseball and football, or he wants to run track and play football or play basketball and you know, play football. Man, this is this is strictly my opinion, and some people may uh, think otherwise. Um, but uh, I don't care because this is keep it real uh, podcast. Uh, I, you, the guys you said, you said, you know, they're not, you know, he doesn't want to be Bo Jackson or so and so. But in order to be a two sport athlete. You got to be in college. You got to be like that. You know, even if you want to do it at the division three level, like if you want to do it at the division three level and you're really good, you're good enough to do it at the division three level, then you're probably good enough to be a division two athlete in one or the other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, unless we're talking about track and football, track and football go hand in hand, but like basketball and football, those two wind up crossing each other. And the amount of time that you got to put in, I don't, man, I, I applaud any college athlete that can do dual sport because you got to think about the amount of athletic training load, the practice load, along with getting a degree. It's, inc- it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Oh, I, I think the only way you can really do it is, you know, track. And you see those basketball guys do it, but those guys look like uh, Peppers was one that did it. Right. You know, right. uh, was it Jimmy Graham? I think it was it Jimmy Graham. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Graham, Graham played bas- basketball and football, but you know he took the path of of football. Uh, yeah, had a, had a pretty good career. Uh, you know, and then you have you know a, a Charlie Ward that played uh, basketball and football, but took the, the basketball path. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you're those are those are elite elite level athletes to be able to do both and do both well. Yeah. And, and that's what, that's what comes back to high school is like, you know, the younger you are, you want to play multiple sports because they develop. Uh, if you look at all those guys that are dual sport athletes that we talk about just now at that level, uh, it, they, it develops your athletic ability when you play multiple sports. Jimmy Graham, the ability to run and catch a basketball and change direction and dribble it and put it on the ground and dunk on one foot and dunk off two foot is everything he does in the NFL game. Uh, Ward, uh, Russell Wilson, uh, Kyler Murray, all those guys, those quarterbacks directly relate back to baseball. Mahomes, heck, my brother played on Mahomes' dad, minor league. They played minor league baseball together. He said he would see Mahomes out there uh, throwing Mm -hmm. baseball, throwing the baseball around. You know, uh, 
but so like those you see the skills and traits transfer you know over into the athlete's primary sport uh, you know base and, and you know Dion was a was a dang good baseball player he mm-hmm. was an incredibly elite baseball player but he was a very very good baseball player he probably if he didn't play you know, at that age, if he put the football down and was a straight baseball player, he's probably a Hall of Fame baseball player, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you have to be pretty special to, you know, one, make it to the big show, right? How many guys stay forever in the minors and never get a call up? But then, you know, to to do what he did and play in the in the World Series and the Super Bowl. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. But, again, unbelievable athlete. You know, yeah, it's just, I mean, unbelievable, phenomenal athlete. It's just, you know, and it, you think about the whole goal, uh, you know, the ultimate goal is to develop your skills and to get your education paid for. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're coming up, you play multiple sports to get your athletic ability better, uh, become more, for more fluent movements, uh, and then you can go specialize in something that some. Specialize in something that you're good enough at that somebody's willing to pay for you to get your education and do it for their school. You know. Yeah. Uh, but I What's, have had a kid, you know, we talk about we, we player A, you know, we don't want to say names on here, but kid could have been an FCS <laughs> football player. And he loved baseball. And he was not a baseball player, but he loved baseball. Uh, and he chose to go to a school that was going to allow him, which I knew this was going to happen to him, was going to allow, oh, we'll let you play baseball and football because he was an elite football player. Uh, and he goes there, he plays his first football season, and there's no time for him to go play baseball. And then when you go play baseball, you're so far behind, you're so bad because those baseball kids have been playing baseball while you're playing football. And now he's mm-hmm. there at school just playing football, which he likes the school, but – he could have had all that education paid for, uh, you know, had he went and played football. And I think that's where the parent comes in uh, and has to come in and say, because, you know, everybody wants to let your kid make their own decision, but I feel like you still have to guide their decisions as a parent. Uh, right. And, you know, my dad told me, I'm five, and he said, son, I know you love basketball, and I would shoot hoops every night. to be pretty decent in coming up in basketball, but my dad had to tell us, hey, look, you're going to be 5'9 and 5'8". be six foot. Uh, your possibility of you playing college basketball and getting your education paid for are very slim. So, you know, you need to work on changing direction and tackling somebody's son, and you need to work on getting that small <laughs> ball with a, with a wood bat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know what, and, and... – I'm sure some people out there would say, oh, well, your dad wasn't facilitating dreams. No, it's like you said, your dad kept it real. Yeah. And he told you what you he told you what you needed to hear in order to guide you in the right direction. And I think that's, you know, sometimes I think both uh, coaches and parents can get caught up in you know, the aura of a dream and forget about reality. Somebody's got to. Somebody's got to have a foot in reality, uh, you know, and hopefully both coach and parent do that for the kid. 
Yeah, like let's talk about um, let, let's just just small subject hop here. It's like uh, quarterback. Everybody wants their kid to play running back and quarterback. Well, player A and player B. Jeez Louise. Player A and player B are good uh, athletes uh, playing quarterback. But, you know, we've got to be smart enough to know that, all right, (laughs) there's only one quarterback in the game. There's four wide receivers or three wide receivers in the game. And most teams play with two backs. Yep. Uh, Where am I going to put my kid that's going to give him the best opportunity to be able to be successful? And I think that's what it's about on all levels. Yeah. yeah, that's for sure. That you got, you know, if you can pretty fast and, and you can change direction, you can go to the other side of the ball. There's four DBs, sometimes five or six, roaming around on the other side. Yeah, you know, so there's, you know, it's like I think we we you can talk about the fact that this whole whole deal has been talking about creating opportunity. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you you pigeonhole yourself into one spot. You're kind of eliminating opportunity. There's a lot of guys that can throw a football, mm-hmm. but there's a difference between throwing a football and and executing the responsibilities of a quarterback. And not everybody is cut out for that, uh, but it doesn't mean that you can't still play ball. Right. But like you said, you need to be mindful of of your skill set as well as realistic. In, and let me make sure I'm. I'm covering all my bases and, and examining all my opportunities. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you don't know as a parent, I feel like if you don't know something, man, th- th- there's a thing that we call the worldwide internet and Google. And you can ask any question in the world that you want. Uh, you know, and, and I, I talk about this at my recruiting seminar. Uh, Johnny's freaking five, 10 uh, and play and weighs 285 pounds and plays wants to play linebacker, you know, and he, he probably knocked people out in pop Warner football, peewee football, but he's going to need to put his hand in the dirt, you know, (laughs) he's going to need to, he's going to need to come with me and and let's, uh, let's be a disruptive force in the middle and cause havoc on the line. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy, but yeah, the dual sport deal, yeah. man. I think dual sport is super important. Heck, little Corey's gonna be swimming and playing soccer and baseball and basketball and there wrestling. Uh, but as he gets older, I'll start to uh, eliminate, or we'll have to have that father-son talk about. All right, these sports are interviewing interfering with your development because kids are so skill specific now that. You know, football and basketball are in the same season, so we got to make sure that uh, we need to. Hey, we got to. We're gonna sit down at a certain age and figure out which one we're gonna do. Because mm-hmm. if player B is dribbling year round, and I'm just dribbling for two months, he's gonna handle the ball better than me. You yeah. Know, uh, so I want to make sure I'm developing those things. And I think you start to eliminate those sports, and I think in middle school, I think there's a lot of still three sport athletes in middle school and it and then in high school you know you get to your two sports or one sport uh you know the longer you can hang on to two sports the better it goes in your development but if you're way behind on your development doing two sports 
then I think that's when you got to make the decision on what you want to put down so you can catch up in the sport that you're going to continue in. Right. Like I know some kids that play basketball and play football, but they're talented basketball players and they go up and catch a ball and then they can go on a football field and and it it translates on the football field and they're still ahead of their class. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think you continue to do that, continue to develop. You just have to put in the extra time to make sure that you don't lose the strength training aspect, you know, uh, and all those things that everybody else is doing with a true offseason. Right. I agree with you. And, and, you know, the the dual sport certainly keeps you in an athletic uh, conditioning standpoint and helps you with that. Mm -hmm. And we talk about transferable skills and going up to, catch a ball or being able to change your arm angle to throw a yep. ball, um, you know, and, and I think wrestling at the end of the day, wrestling, wrestling, interior oh, line. I wish, yeah. yeah, I wish that was, uh, I have a buddy that I worked with and I, I always check his, uh, his timeline after the draft and he's always pointing out, uh, you know, how many of the top NFL draft picks that were linemen wrestled? Oh yeah, uh, and, and the correlation between that, and, and I firmly believe it. And I was I was fortunate enough to spend two seasons uh, as his assistant coach in wrestling, and you know, I, I don't necessarily want to go back to high school because I won't say it was the greatest time of my life, but that's definitely a something that I probably would have chosen. I should have chosen wrestling over powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would have benefited me more, but. Not to knock powerlifting, I, you know, you know, you know how I do. I love, I love lifting, uh, but you can only lift. I'm sorry, you can only wrestle, truly wrestle for so long. But man, that lifting, you never get, a, never get old, never get away from it. Yep. And you know, I don't know, I don't know too many elite. I was just sitting there thinking, I don't know too many. If you think about your top, your best athlete on your football teams, uh, and I won't even say elite. I'll say elite at your schools. I don't know if your if your best athletes at your schools, skill wise, can't play a little basketball. There's not very many of them. I mean, they all, if they're a top athlete at your at your school and they're a skill player, they can play basketball probably, and they and they probably can find an event on the track. Yeah, well, they they should find an event on the oh, track. Absolutely. And if they don't, uh, if they don't find an event on the track. I think they're doing a disservice to themselves and to uh, their their team and their school, man, because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of college coaches that they want to know, you know, what's your hundred time? What's your high jump time? What's your long jump time? I, you know, that, that, that long jump, that high jump is a true to me is a true measure of your explosive ability. How do you transfer your force into the ground to either go up or go mm-hmm. forward? Because running straight, Running in a straight line or slightly around the curve, you know, that's speed is speed is speed. And, and there's only so much you can coach to get you faster. And some of the guys are just naturally faster than others. Uh-huh. You can train, you can train to jump higher yep. by making yourself faster. And, and, you know, the transferable skills of up and down on a basketball court, up and down on a football field, you know, those, those are all come and over. And I think, I, to, to I think track for, I think so really what we're talking about, we say multiple, we're really talking about two, but I think when you're talking about skilled players and and even even your bigs, 
you're talking about three sport athletes. You know, are you are you wrestling and playing football? And then sometimes you get into those weight cut issues with wrestling. Uh, skills, you know, basketball and, you know, football. But all, I think all skills should run track. I mean, that's like oh, no a mandatory doubt. second sport. No doubt. And I think, you know, even if, you know, you talk about getting into the weight cutting issues with, with wrestling, but, you know, with track and you can only have so many in a, a you know, so many throwers or whatnot, I, I think it's still your bigs mm-hmm. uh, should be throwing just for that, just understanding how to turn those hips, mm-hmm. man. How many times do we talk about kids and they're, they got bad hips and they got bad knees, bad ankles. Well, they're not doing anything to help themselves uh, by not participating in these throwing events because that's going to get your ankles and your hips and your knees mm-hmm. moving. Uh, you know, obviously you got to make sure you're doing the right stuff in the weight room, but uh, that's a different. That's a different. And ultimately, we're talking about just competing year round. Compete. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The more you compete, the better you're going to be. Yep. Yeah, I think you know, watching the uh, the last dance, oh, and yeah. the insight, the insight into not just Jordan but the rest of those oh. guys and what it took from a competition standpoint and holding each other accountable, man. It's I hope that's what these kids are watching and learning from this stuff. It's not just how great he is and was, but the level of the competition and, and the accountability he held his teammates to. Yeah, but, you know, Isaiah Thomas said something this morning that was really interesting. You know, they had him on because, you know, it shines some dark light on him about not shaking those guys' hands after the game and and all that. But, like, he made a good point. He said, you know, the special talks about Michael Jordan said, we got to get stronger. We got to get tougher. Uh, And he started making everybody hit the weights and they stacking the plates on and the practices became more physical. And Isaiah Thomas goes, well, ain't that what a championship team is? <laughs> I mean, we're acting like this is some yep. cutting edge founding, you know, that yeah. Michael Jordan says we got to do this to win. Well, usually the stronger, faster, more physical teams win championships. You know, yeah. I thought that was really unique because it was like, well, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I agree, you know, and, and the the strength and conditioning guy in me loves the fact that they that, that kids are seeing the in, in my opinion, the greatest basketball player mm-hmm. uh put weight on and and lift and talk about lifting and how it was necessary in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of these it, a lot of these kids, oh, I don't want to lift because I don't want to get big and bulky. Man, it's not the way it works to get big and bulky. And I know we're, we digress into a different topic, but, you know, to get big and bulky, is uh, it takes a lot more time. Uh, and that's just – it doesn't happen overnight. And you can, you can lift heavy and still play great basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, shoot. Uh, you know, LeBron looks like LeBron. LeBron's physical ability is, is unmatched, but then the way he looks physically, that doesn't happen without 
time in the weight room and you see him posting his workout stuff. Uh, you know, and, and I think it's, it's necessary for guys to understand. His, yeah, and I can live like LeBron, but I won't look like LeBron. I mean, there's some genetics involved in there, too. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, he's, he's definitely a once-in-a-generation kind of physical specimen. That, those, those guys, there's a lot of tall guys walking around, a lot of tall basketball players, but they don't all look like LeBron and move like LeBron right. either. Yeah. Yep. So, man, it's been it's been real talking with you. Can we talk um, about the, I want to give you about the, Can we say something ahead. about the Cowboys draft here? We can. Thanks, we man. can, man. You know I'm not a Cowboys fan. I want to give you the opportunity to talk about the Cowboys. Thank Go you, ahead. man. We cannot close this podcast without talking about the boys. Uh man, I, for outstanding, I think McCarty was McCartney was a great addition as a coaching staff. Uh, he helped my man Jerry get through this dang um, uh, draft here, which we've been drafting pretty well here lately, uh, which is why our roster looks mm-hmm. like it looks. Let's not be foolish to ourselves. Uh, but my goodness, Lamb and everybody panicked. I think McCarthy was a great addition. Uh, I think he brings some of that Green Bay draft status, draft, I mean, draft evaluation and decision making process to the Dallas Cowboys, which we haven't been bad at it at all. I think our roster looks like it looks for a reason because we've been drafting well last couple of years. Uh, Green Bay has remained competitive with low draft picks because they win every year, and they still, mm-hmm. they're still very competitive. So uh, I love the Lamb pick, and uh, a lot of people were concerned about, oh, we need DBs. The defense and all that, but this draft was so deep, man. What did you think about the draft? The depth of the draft. I thought it was a a, a deep draft for sure. Um, you know, I think everybody can probably say, "Well, we got to steal at this guy, a steal with that guy," depending on their pick. Uh, but I think what happens is, you know, everybody can throw their grades in now, and I think it's that's all well and good, but. Until you put it on the field and you you see two three years out, you know does it really pan out? That's that's the telltale sign if you're drafting well. You know, are you yeah. are you getting the top, are you getting the good guys that you need, and are you producing with the talent that you have? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Well, Diggs was a great draft pick. Mm-hmm. I think he's, he's and he's big enough to move back to the safety position. Uh, you know, six one corner, and he tackles, and he's physical, and you know he's physical. He's played in that SEC mm-hmm. with a physical brand of football and held his own. Uh, I like the guy we got from Wisconsin, the center, which we've had no bad luck with Wisconsin O linemen. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely you know the, he he has to come in, uh, you know, and I know he's a. He's a fourth rounder, but he's got to come in, and the expectation is he probably competes for a starting job uh, based on the pedigree of Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, also, you know, we I got to bring this. the Kyle Drugger D two player got picked in the second round. Duggar, Kyle Duggar, 
uh-huh. he was the, he got picked by the Patriots uh, uh, in the second round. And, you know, everybody was a little worried about that, and I have to say, you know, the he's the earliest pick since Danielle Manning to go mm-hmm. in the draft. Uh, but man, I think that's a, I think that's something that 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 pick there. I know this is my Cowboy Hour, but I got to bring that up because you know that's a prime example of it's not where you go it's what you do where you go uh as yeah. far as the key you know the Danielle Manning deal you know he was a Nebraska he was a Nebraska bounce back I mean he had offers everywhere this kid didn't have no options he was a D2 football player with very few offers I think he walked on uh to his D2 school man and, and got picked uh by the Patriots in the freaking second round. I thought that was outstanding uh, by him. But, you know, so that was – yeah. that's, that's something everybody would be able to speak on. I hate to bring that up in my cowboy hour. But <laughs> well, <laughs> and it always seems like they find – you know, the Patriots in particular find these potential diamonds in the rough. And, you know, they, 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 they know where to scour, how to scour to look – for who who they need to fill a role, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean this kid, he's six one two seventeen, and you know he's uh, four five. It'd be in- four, uh-huh. Four, it'd be five, interesting four, 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 for sure to see uh, what what he does for them. Uh, you got to think too, man, to get drafted and go to a place like New England and learn defense from a mind like Bill Belichick. If, if, if anything, your football IQ is going to go way up, which then makes you have uh, a greater potential, you know, after this first contract. And let's say you have a, you have a good first contract, you know, now you can parlay that into something even greater. Yep. And man, and I'll tell you, this was interesting about him too. He wasn't on a winning team in D2 football. They weren't any good. <laughs> yeah, they, they finished at the bottom of their conference. And freaking guy gets to go second, second pick. I mean, I mean, second round. You know, obviously everybody needs to know who his agent is. My goodness, but <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. Uh, but yeah, man, that was this is we got a little sidetracked on my cowboy uh, minute. I just wanted to make sure I added my two cents about my cowboys so everybody could hear that. How excellent our draft is, and uh, excited that Dak Prescott, uh, who everybody seems to hate on for some reason, um, is going to be able to throw the ball to elite receivers and hand the ball off to elite running backs to a solid offensive line. Yeah. So. Well, you know, it remains to be seen uh, what yep. produces on the field, but uh, they certainly. Did. Uh, they definitely no. did did well. Yep. A plus. We got an A grade. We got an A grade. We hadn't got an A grade <laughs> yeah. in a while. So yeah, but, uh, you get an A grade on paper. Let's see what happens in the fall uh, when they put the pads on and yeah, what the win loss record and stuff. They still got to coach them. That's right. Still got to coach. Well, man, I appreciate you having me on here. Um, oh, thank you, man. Um, <laughs> As as a uh, show of solidarity to the class of 
2020, given all that's transpired and they haven't had the, uh, they won't have the opportunity to walk across the stage and things like that uh, currently. Um, take a minute to, uh, if you want to, recognize one, two, however many out of this class of 2020, um, you know, whatever you want to say to them, what words of encouragement you might have to them. Uh, man, I would like to, uh, I'll tell you what, I, and, and I want to speak to them all. I don't want to, I'll say this because everybody's kind of handling things differently and going through a different situations with this 2021 deal. Uh, you know, just look at this as a, a bump in the road. Uh, and again, my old man raised me a little different, so I, I'm not going to have, I'm probably not going to shed a tear and talk about how terrible it is and all that. Uh, but I do feel for you. Uh, you know, I understand it's all about high schools, about memories. But I tell you what, you can look at it two ways with your glass half full. You can look at it with your glass full and say, my senior year was terrible. I didn't get this. I didn't get that. I missed this. I missed that. Your glass could be half full and say, man, at the end of my senior year, we had to deal with this obstacle in, in the middle of a pandemic. And I still managed to, to graduate. I still managed to have this GPA. I still managed to go to this school. I still managed to get my degree. And I still managed to have a successful career, uh, business, whatever you choose to get into. And have a great family, uh, be a great father, be a great mother. And uh, a rose can't grow concrete, you know. Uh, so I would like to look at it with my glass half full. Uh, and let's just see where we end up and not make sure we don't use this thing as something negative, but something positive that's going to make us stronger. Absolutely, man. That's great. Great ending right there. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, let the people know how they can reach out to you if they, especially if they want to, you know, learn more about the recruiting side of things. Okay. Uh, recruiting, uh, defensive back play, uh, any of that, you can reach me at coach Jordan. Oh, three. Uh, on at Coach Jordan 03 on Twitter, uh, cell phone number. Can I get that out? Should I get that out? Uh, uh, that's probably not something I would give out. Okay, but all right, I won't give. So I'll let I'll, yeah. I'll let them. Uh, I'm never afraid to give my cell phone number out because I have the ability to press decline. But <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but yeah, you can see me on Twitter. Uh, you can email me at uh, Corey Jordan. Uh, C-O-R-E-Y dot Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N zero five at Gmail. Um, it's kind of, that's my personal email and I'm on Twitter. I always work in this recruiting, so I won't miss an inbox or I won't miss an ad. Uh, and my inbox is always, is always open as well. You don't have to be my friend or add me in order to send me a DM. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Coach, again, like I said, I really appreciate you for, uh, one, working through the technical difficulties, but two, uh, just dropping uh, excellent free knowledge to the people and, and letting them get to know a little bit more about you. And awesome. I appreciate being on here. I think this thing is awesome. Uh, I think you're on to something here. I love the podcast deal. I love an opportunity to just sit down and keep it real and talk about whatever's going on in the world as coaches because we go so much you know we don't get a much we don't get very much time to sit down besides in the office 
and talk about, you know, our views mm-hmm. on things. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Coach Corey Jordan. I hope you find some interesting information about recruiting as well as understanding of how to create more opportunities for your young men and women later on down the road as they try to pursue a career beyond high school sports and into college. Feel free to reach out to myself or Coach Jordan. We're happy to help you any way we can. You guys stay safe, stay happy. Class of 2020, always remember, look at the glass half full, not half empty. You're still blessed to have the opportunity to move forward and do great things. Goodbye, good night, see you on the next one.